morning from Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind Him in the crowd and touched His cloak, for she said, If I but touch His clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware the power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow Him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, He saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When He had entered, He said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at Him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithikum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. This morning we step into a story that Mark tells us that leads us to face these crises with these families of life and death. He tells us a story of Jairus, a leader of the synagogue who comes to Jesus and bows down before Him, drops to his knees, does not hesitate, even though he's a man of authority in his own right, but defers to Jesus, this traveling teacher, begging Him to come and help Him save His daughter. Facing death often humbles us. But before we can finish that story, it's interrupted by another story. While they're on their way to the house of this leader, the crowd begins to build. It turns into more of a mob. Everybody's moving along and something happens. 
Jesus realizes that someone has touched His clothes. He wants to know whom, but as He turns to look, there's so many people, there's so much chaos. He says to the disciples, who touched me? They are incredulous and says, how could you? Everybody's touching you. How can we tell who you're talking about? But Jesus knows something important has just happened even though the disciples have not recognized it. But then the woman, the woman comes to Jesus and just like Jairus falls on her knees and grabs the ankles and feet of Jesus to tell Him that she's the one that has been healed. She, just like Jairus, humbles herself as she approaches Jesus. We could use that as an important lesson in our own approach to Jesus. Choose humility. Choose humility. But as they come, they come from very different places. He is a leader, wealthy, presumably a person of authority. Mark tells us she is out of money. She is now poor. She spent all that she's had. Plus, because she's hemorrhaging or bleeding, she would be an outcast. But not just that day, but for 12 years where she was not to be associating with any other people. And maybe Mark is telling us that she is barren, that she has no children in a culture that if a woman does not bear a child, is looked at as if she has failed the entire community. They come from very different places of status and recognition in their community. And as I read over and over, I thought perhaps Mark is placing this story within a story to help us see that Jesus related to people from all different sectors of society. It reminded me of what happened at an annual conference this year. We all went to Oklahoma City. We had a special speaker, a fellow named Dr. Junius Dotson. He's a United Methodist pastor, works for our General Board of Discipleship. He was there to tell us about a new initiative that he's leading on behalf of the United Methodist Church. It's called Hashtag See All the People. See All the People. We live in a country where across the country United Methodist Churches are shrinking. And Dr. Dotson was there to say, listen, there are plenty of people that are seeking a church our struggle is that often those outside the church don't look like those of us inside the church and therefore we have trouble seeing them. I want to read you just a brief quote out of one of the books he has written about this. He writes, Today, not unlike the time of Jesus, people still have deep spiritual needs and long for greater meaning for their lives. Some feel harassed and helpless some are searching for good news. Some need healing. Jesus still looks out over our cities and villages and has compassion for all the people. And so should we as His disciples. The problem is not a lack of people. The problem 
is our inability to see them and reach out to them. There's another idea here that some of the Bible commentators mention that gives a nod to the same notion about seeing people. It's around this number 12. Some of the commentators point out, notice that Mark specifically says the woman's bleeding for 12 years and makes a point to tell us that the child who is healed is 12 years old. Some of them suggest that this is Mark's way of using a number to tip us off about God's people. Because in Hebrew numerology, the number 12 often stands for the whole people of God. Think of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the whole group, the whole people of God. Or think of 12 disciples who are sent out to the whole world in Jesus' name. Some of these commentators are saying Mark is trying to tell us that Jesus sees all the people of God and invite us to do the same. But these two people Jesus sees in this story are very different people. And yet they both have faith. They both come toward Jesus with hopeful faith. Mark kind of contrasts the way they come with those who are skeptics in the first story It's the disciples who are the skeptics when Jesus wants to know who touched me so He can reach out to the person who's just been healed. In the next story, it's those who are already weeping, already assuming this young girl is dead. Jesus gets there and says to them in the last part of verse 39, the child is not dead, but sleeping. And Mark then records that those people laughed at Him. And he asked them to leave. Mark points out that Jesus ignores the skeptics in both cases and moves to be in ministry with the seekers, those who come with hopeful faith. It gives us opportunity to think about how do we come? How do we approach God? How do we approach church? Do we come with humble faith and hopeful faith? Or do we come as a skeptic? Some gather, you can see this anytime there's a gathering of people, noticing the promise and the possibilities of what might be, and others come focused on the problems of what might be. We often think about it in the question, do you see the glass half full or half empty? How do you approach faith in God? Jesus acts on the assumption that God wants wholeness, healing, and fullness of life, if you will, for all people. Throughout Mark, he uses this word immediately to tip us off that God is at work. If you look through chapter 1, you find it time and again. He starts his gospel talking about what God does. And every time he uses the word immediately, it's a signal that he believes God is at work. We run into it three times in our text today. First in verse 29, again in verse 30, again in verse 42. If you read through that, you'll realize that every time Mark writes immediately, he's giving us a tip. God is at work right there. Look, God is at work right there. 
He wants us to be watching and looking and noticing that God is interacting through Jesus to reach all of these people. Mark wants to proclaim that through Jesus, God is at work for wholeness in life and in death. And yet sometimes, healing and health happens immediately. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes healing happens on this side of life and sometimes it doesn't. We have to wait until the other side of death to experience the healing for which we had hoped. Sometimes we have great faith and we see great things. And other times we have great faith and the healing and the recovery that we prayed for and hoped for just does not happen And we trust that God is still with us and will carry us through whatever happens. Was thinking about the mysteries of life we encounter and how this Independence Day, just three days away, and our founders who wrote the Declaration of Independence, and how they all pledged their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor. And yet they did not all experience the same fate. I began to wonder, why did some die and some did not? You may remember that of the 56 that signed the Declaration of Independence, which launched our freedom and our democracy, that they suffered different fates. Did you know five of them were captured and tortured and died in prison at the hands of the British Nine fought and were killed in battles during the Revolutionary War. Twelve had their homes ransacked, mostly burned. Untold numbers of them lost family members, sons, daughters, wives, extended family. And yet they'd all pledged the same thing. Some survived and some did not. It's hard to explain the differences in their fate. I cannot explain it. But I can still decide to follow Jesus. I can still trust that God was at work in Jesus Christ and has good news for me and for you. I can still believe that God is at work for wholeness and fullness in life and in death. In fact, I can proclaim with Mark, That God is indeed at work. And that if we look, we can see that God is at work for our good in the face of issues that lead us to ask the hard questions of life and death. Mark says, God is always with us. Amen. And thanks be to God.